a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Shavan Nimber. Coming up on the program. Strong footing, China's economic and trade performance report for 2023 showcases remarkable recovery and sustained stability. Innovation focus, we take a look at how China is harnessing scientific and technological innovations such as AI-assisted robots to boost economic productivity. Bipartisan agreement, U.S. lawmakers have reached a bipartisan deal to extend the federal budget, averting a government shutdown. China's National Bureau of Statistics has reported the country's GDP grew from a year ago to 5.2% in 2023. The Bureau also released official figures for employment, inflation and trade. Our reporter Sun Ye has more details in Beijing. That data report says that the economic and social development for China in 2023 has shown a series of positive trends. The biggest numbers released today, the MBS said China's GDP grew at a rate of 5.1%. And after deducting price factors, the actual growth was 4.8%. The disposable income of urban and rural residents also increased respectively. One of the more encouraging figures here is that the per capita disposable income, income for rural Rural residents increased by 7.7%, and after deducting price factors, that actual growth was 7.6%. The per capita disposable income of residents nationwide was nearly 40,000 yuan for the entire year, an increase of more than 6%. And in terms of population data, the total population at the end of the year 2023 was about 1.416 billion, an increase of about 3.6 4 million compared to the end of the previous year. The annual birth rate was 9.77 per thousand and the natural growth rate was 2.49 per thousand. The proportion of urban population has now reached 64.7 percent and the level of urbanization continues to increase. And in terms of China's technological development, there has also been significant progress last year. The annual expenditure on R&D was more than 3.3 billion yuan, an increase of 8.1 percent compared to the previous year. According to a recent survey conducted by CGTN, a majority of global respondents believe that China's economy will serve as the driving force behind future global economic recovery. China's economy as the world's second largest exhibited resilience in the past year, contributing over one-third of global growth. According to the survey, more than 85% of respondents expressed a long-term positive outlook on China. Another 87% acknowledged the country's efforts to enhance its economic quality through scientific and technological innovation. The survey also highlighted the attractiveness of China's business environment to global investors, with nearly 74% of respondents considering it appealing. On top of that, 73% of respondents expressed confidence in China's commitment to continued high-level openness, foreseeing new opportunities on a global scale. 
Now, for more insights on the latest economic data and growth numbers, we're joined by Li Yong, chief researcher of DNC Think Tank. Li Yong, good to see you. So, um, in what ways did consumer spending, investment, and exports uh, drive GDP growth last year in China? And what does this signify about the country's economic momentum? Well, I think, you know, the uh, three areas that you mentioned are so-called uh, the troika of the uh, econ economic development. And obviously, consumption uh, contributed most to the 5.2% uh, increase. And uh, um, in terms of the rate of contribution to the GDP, consumption contributed 4.3%. Uh, 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 and uh, investment, um, about one5 and export it's a negative 0.6 contribution and of course if we uh, look at the share of contribution to the growth rate and the consumption occupied the uh the large chunk of it uh which is about uh 82 82.5 percent which is really high and uh so uh going forward we can clearly see you know these three factors you know what kind of momentum uh, can contribute, uh, I mean, the three factors can contribute uh, to the uh, uh, future econ economic growth. And of course, uh, we understand that uh, consumption is the uh, type pro top priority. And related to that, I think it is there, uh, there will be uh, policies, policy measures. And of course, investment uh, performed less than expected uh, from the last year data. But this year, I think there will be uh, adjustment and uh, there will be also, um, you know, um, measures to check up the confidence, particularly the uh, the confidence uh, by uh, by the private sector. And of course, if we look at the data, the uh, uh, private sector investment in manufacturing, for example, in the infrastructure, for example, have increased. I think this this will con continue uh, its trend. And export is one of the uh, uh, factors that, I, that will face certain uncertainties, and I believe there will be policies, you know, to try to uh, stabilize uh, the effect of net exports. Yeah. Back to you. Um, do, can the income and expenditure data of urban residents uncover uh, an adequate demand um, in China, and what steps can be implemented to uh, stimulate domestic demand further? Well, I think, you know, this is really an interesting question because, you know, we, if we look uh, at the uh, demand, basically consumption demand, you know, we will have to look at the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the urban, for example, income as an important factor and their willingness, for example, to spend as another factor. And of course, overall, you know, the, uh, their confidence, I mean, the, their expectations and uh, I think, you know, the trend uh, of consumption from last year data and the, uh, the data of the uh, uh, recent two months, you know, indicate the same to the same direction, which is uh, which is going to be a kind of an increase. And of course, uh, you know, there are uh, a lot of policies and, of course, uh, you know, uh, new tools, you know, uh, for this year to really to to help to enhance, uh, you know, the uh, the confidence of, of uh, our expectations to consume, uh, uh, basically to increase the propensity uh, to spend, 
and uh, uh, the uh, j just about uh, a week ago, I think, you know, the uh, President Xi Jinping presided over a financial and economic conference, and that I think uh, during that conference, you know, a couple of policies, you know, that would play very positive role uh, in terms of uh, 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 you know, in terms of increasing consumption, you know, lowering the cost of uh, logistics and so on. So I, I expect, you know, the policies and the total environment is going to improve as such that we can see uh, new momentums of growth. Back to you. Yeah, hopefully there will be more confidence in the coming year. Thank you so much, uh, Li Yong, yeah. Chief Researcher of uh, DNC Think Tank for us. The State Council recently approved measures to simplify payment methods for groups such as the elderly and foreign nationals. It emphasizes increasing resource allocation and promoting the parallel development of multiple payment methods. On Thursday, the People's Bank of China held a symposium on this topic where representatives from commercial banks, payment institutions and card issuers offered their insights. We'll strengthen partnerships with overseas card organizations and third-party payment providers, expand overseas card binding payments, optimize cash services, utilize overseas institutions for QR code payments abroad, and collaborate with the People's Bank of China for cross-border connectivity. We are responding to overseas users' calls for simplified ID verification with a pilot program for small-sum transactions balancing convenience and security. We're also boosting promotion to showcase the ease of Chinese mobile payments to global users. Mobile payments in China have reached an 86% adoption rate, driving cost reductions and efficiency gains. Yet fewer brick-and-mortar financial services locations and divergent payment habits pose challenges for the elderly and foreign residents. The PBOC will partner with relevant departments, such as tourism, transportation, foreign affairs and immigration, to explore solutions. Still to come. We take a look at how China is harnessing scientific and technological innovations such as AI-assisted robots to boost economic productivity. The world economy as we know it is about to change. Global business reports highlight emerging markets, developing countries, and dynamic sectors worldwide. We feature top analysts and newsmakers to provide perspectives on every facet of business. From an on-the-ground perspective, we provide you with balanced and objective assessments. Fast, sharp, and insightful. Global Business. Only on CGTN. China has embraced the concept of new productive forces as a key focus of its economic work in 2024. President Xi Jinping first mentioned the term during an inspection tour of northeast China's Heilongjiang province last September. New productive forces or new quality productivity refers to harnessing scientific and technological innovation to significantly boost economic productivity. China aims to achieve this through technological breakthroughs, innovative allocation of productive factors and by deepening industrial upgrading. 
Examples of these new sources of growth include connected vehicles, quantum computers, futuristic industrial robots, and brain-computer interfaces. During a party group study session last month, President Xi again emphasized that efforts should be made to promote innovation and faster development of new productive forces. In China, healthcare holds significant importance. According to the latest data from the Better Life Survey in China, the top three priorities for young people aged 18 to 35 in terms of consumer spending in 2023 are tourism, digital products, and healthcare. There is a growing trend among young people to allocate a larger portion of their consumption towards health preservation. Join our reporter Olivia He on an exploratory journey to uncover the emerging health consumption habits of young individuals in China. In the past, older people were the ones primarily known to be focusing on their health. However, in recent years, this trend has noticeably shifted towards younger generations. A recent consumption survey reveals that Generation Z has now become the driving force behind healthcare-related consumption. Is this true? I'm going to interview some of my young colleagues in the office to find out. Hi. I wonder how much would you spend on taking care of your health? Quite a lot, because uh, I stay up late, so I buy some supplements to make myself healthier, like Q10, fish oil, and some multivitamins. Does fish oil count? Because I spent a lot on anti-aging products. Yeah, actually, I don't spend that much on that because I do exercise or um, sports uh, all for free, like hiking or climbing, something like that. In order to cater to the health consumption needs of young people, an increasing number of brands have introduced convenient, healthy snack products. Popular options such as ready-to-eat business and honey, black sesame powder, and other nutritious snacks have gained significant traction in China. At Fresh Hippo, we offer two genres of healthcare products, traditional and modern. Our traditional products include oral liquids, capsules and effervescent tablets, while our modern product range includes nutritional snacks, meal replacements and beverages. Besides purchasing healthcare products, more and more young people tend to enjoy activities such as massages and Chinese medicine treatments. Actually, there are many nearby options that can be found. Approximately 95% of our customers are aged below 35. Many of them work in the office and experience various types of discomfort, including backaches and headaches. Typically, they choose to visit during their lunch breaks or after completing their work for the day. Investing in health for sure offers benefits, but it's crucial to also understand the necessary precautions. Otherwise, the consequences could be... Oliver He, CGTN, Beijing. China-Morocco Agricultural Promotion Event was held in Beijing this week. This enterprise matchmaking event focused on promoting bilateral trade of fruits such as blueberries and strawberries, provided a platform for agricultural enterprises from both countries to exchange ideas and collaborate and promoted the development of agricultural trade and investment between the two nations. Our Li Mengyuan has more. The event is held by Foreign Economic Cooperation Center, Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Affairs. The experts from both sides share their insights. Morocco is known for its uh, uh, high-quality uh, fruits, especially red fruits or 
blueberries, raspberries, and uh, strawberries. And I think there is a good opportunity to uh, export Moroccan blueberries to China. The quality and the life. So in Provina, I, I hope after this dragon year, we will hope all development or business and the, the quality and the more consumption in China. We are trying to upgrade the quality of the domestic consumer market, enabling Chinese consumers to enjoy global delicacies. Through fruit production, we can enhance mutual understanding between China and Morocco. I think for any companies that uh, is uh, globally selling their products, which is our case, uh, China is definitely a, a priority. The first step is to have a good relationship between uh, countries. And when, when this is the base, then you can build on it. And an event like uh, today can uh, help. Executives at uh, multinational corporations have expressed their commitment to China's markets and plan to keep investing in the country as it pursues high-quality development. The consumption power of the China market, right? And uh, secondly, uh, we've seen Chinese government uh, is driving for uh, industrial upgrading and stricter policies and standards in areas like food safety and quality. These actually are good news for foreign companies. Allianz is a firm believer of long-term commitment to the Chinese market. China's GDP was 1.26 trillion yuan in 2023 and grew by 5.2%. This was higher than the growth of most of the advanced economies. China's insurance premium expected to grow uh, around 8% each year and will reach 1.5 trillion euros in 2033. And China is projected to become the second largest insurance market worldwide and offers huge potentials. It is, I mean, the continued investment globally. So we're making some, some large scale investments for the new generation and the new technologies. Uh, and we're making a lot of those investments here in China. So this is the fourth phase of the expansion in, in Jading. Um, and that signifies again another milestone for us in terms of future development of technology investments. One of the things we, we really uh, enjoy about being in China is that we have access to, to really good talent mm -hmm. uh, and that helps us very quickly deliver the technologies of the future and then get that into the products which, which brings benefits to our customers. IKEA China plans to invest more than 100 million yuan in China this year. Now for more on the company's view of China's market potential, we're joined by IKEA China President Pontes Erntel. Pontes, great to have you on the show. So first, what is IKEA's investment strategy for the China market? What is your view uh, of the long-term development potential of the Chinese market? Hi, Michelle, and, and good to be, to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, I think it's clear that China is an important and strategic market for, for IKEA. It's a market to contribute to, to learn from and develop with. We have a long history with, with, with China. We started doing business in the 1960s. We opened our first office in the 1990s and we opened the first store in 1998. Um, and today we have the full value chain present here in China, one of few countries uh, in the world outside of Sweden. Um, and if we look at the investments, it goes into both, of course, uh, in terms of physical expansion. Uh, we continue to grow. Uh, the latest opening was a fulfillment center in Tianjin that we have to fulfill the, the north of China. And we have two major projects underway when it comes to stores uh, and joint development together with uh, shopping centers. Uh, next opening in Xi'an in a couple of weeks and the one after that one in, in Shanghai in the autumn. 
Um, and on top of that, of course, it goes into also our um, digital development, our existing assets, etc., etc. Besides that, like you mentioned, we have also decided to invest in lower prices, 100 million RMB, uh, meaning that we're lowering prices of 500 articles. And it's of course not only about uh, lowering the prices, it's about to take the full philosophy of IKEA. It's about good products, good quality, good prices, contributing to good life at home. Yeah, and what plans do you have uh, for stores and especially channel expansions uh, in China such as more online maybe channels and what are your views on the market outlook for different cities in China um, especially first second and third tier cities well we want to be for the many people and that means further expansion both th in terms of physical expansion like I mentioned uh, that we have two major projects underway uh, the next one opening in Xi'an in a couple of weeks and and the second one in Lingkong in the autumn but it's not it. We will continue also with the digital expansion in terms of digital platforms, social presence, etc. etc. Um, and then um, uh, when it comes to the different tier cities, uh, we don't make such a big difference in between the, the tier of the city. Um, if you look at life at home, it's fairly similar between where people are living. Then, of course, the preconditions around can be a little bit different in terms of weather, in terms of um, economic levels, etc., etc. And it's, of course, something that we need to, to, to take with us and in terms of how we meet the, the customers and, and really provide an attractive and relevant solution wherever in China that might be, basically. Yeah. And what new trends in Chinese home furnishing consumption uh, have you observed in recent years in China? And how does IKEA intend to localize its uh, product design and marketing strategy to better meet the needs and uh, preferences of maybe Chinese consumers? No, very interesting question. It's something that we spend a lot of time on. And I think to, to start with, COVID has reshaped the role of the home. Uh, we see it here in China, but we see it also in the place in, in uh, everywhere of the world, basically. It's a place to sleep, it's a place to relax, recharge, work, socialize, to mention a couple of things. But it's also a place to maybe start to live more sustainable and healthy. If you look at the, the consumption trends, it's also that we see on one hand that it's quite rational in that people are looking for a good deal, maybe more than ever before. They want value for money. But we also see that when it comes to value, it's something that is also, um, uh, let's say, broadening it in its, in its meaning. We go from being quite, we see a market that has been quite functionally focused in terms of functional value, but is now also looking for emotional value, personal value, social value, in terms of taking a stand maybe on how they want to live, people want to live more healthy and sustainable. Our response is, of course, like I mentioned, that we have the full value chain present here in China. It gives us opportunities in terms of taking our passion and knowledge of life at home and taking that into also developing many good uh, uh, ranges and products. And we have many good examples of this. Also products that have been developed maybe for the Chinese market, but have also been global uh, successes like the gaming range, for example, and other things, similar products. All right, thank you so much for your insights. Great to have you on the show, Pontus Erntel, president of IKEA China for us. Still to come. U.S. lawmakers have reached a bipartisan deal to extend the federal budget, averting a government shutdown.
Strengthening the foundation for a future powered by innovation, where high technology, high efficiency, and high quality converge. These three pillars are set to propel China's new productive forces and supercharge the Chinese economy into a new era of development. New industries, new models, and new growth momentum. Join CGTN as we guide you through the new productive forces poised to redefine the Chinese economy. U.S. lawmakers have crossed party lines to reach a deal to extend the country's federal budget by a few days. That's averting a government shutdown on Saturday. Democrats and the Republicans agreed in principle to the deal which extends the budget to March 8th. A vote will be held on Thursday on another temporary funding bill to fund government agencies for another two weeks after that date. Lawmakers will also consider 12 annual bills funding various federal programs for the U.S. fiscal year, which ends September 30th. Congress has been deadlocked for several months over a finance bill for 2024. The Mobile World Congress is in full swing in Barcelona, Spain, with almost 89,000 participants from at least 200 countries. Known as the world's biggest connectivity event, this is where the future is unveiled. Our correspondent is on the ground. The Mobile World Congress, where big tech comes to make a big statement. We're seeing electrical vertical takeoff flying vehicles, backflipping robot cyber dogs, invisible laptop screens, new phones and wearable releases, a big focus on artificial intelligence from industry giants like Microsoft and Google, but it's Chinese tech titans Xiaomi who have really stolen the show with this, their brand new electric car, the Xiaomi SU7. It goes 800 kilometers on a single charge and from zero to 100 in just 2.78 seconds. Bold, but Xiaomi says they became the planet's third biggest seller of mobile phones despite only being founded in 2010. So why can't we do the same with cars, they say. The MWC is also a launch pad for the latest gadgets. Highlights include the Xiaomi 14, the Honor Magic Pro 6, and this ZTE flip phone, which is set to hit the market with a starting price of just 599 US dollars. Cool AI phone features are also grabbing attention, like Oppo's photo edit tool, which makes people disappear. Now you see them, now you don't. Wearable tech is also making great advances like the Xiaomi bracelet and the Samsung smart ring. Experts say we might see a wave of wearables from smart necklaces to smart nose piercings. Just don't ask this CGTN correspondent to try that on. On Monday night, Barcelona was blown away by a concert with Chinese pianist Lang Lang, who played a virtual piano while his hologram played a real piano. Mesmerizing. Stay tuned over the next few days where there's much more to come from the Mobile World Congress and from me, Ken Brown, for CGTN in Barcelona. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm Javan Berg in Beijing. Stay with us.